0: All right, I have one more announcement before I go into the episode. I know these can be super annoying, but this is not a paid advertisement. This is actually about one of my projects. I made a feature film called Fractals, and guess what? It is now available for streaming. Just visit my website, ericnorcross.com. Look for the movie Fractals, and there will be a list of platforms where you can stream it. Thanks. Thanks. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. If you hear some noise in the background, as usual, when I am recording these podcasts, it seems to coincide with the schedule for the weed whackers in the neighborhood and the lawnmowers in the neighborhood and the people using wind blowers to blow trash around the streets. I don't know why this is, but for some reason, every time I record a podcast, these guys come out of the woodwork to make as much noise as possible. It just seems to be the, the nature of the universe up in this area. And from what I understand, that's usually the case with so many people. You know, some of the writers on Twitter will talk about how the moment they sit down to start writing on the back porch, somebody starts up a lawn mower, And it's just, you can't really solve this problem. Unless, of course, you live in an HOA where there might be rules to when you can mow the lawn and whatnot. But yeah. So, sorry about the noise, if you do indeed hear some background noise. So, I do have an update for you guys. I have some news. I have some wonderful news, which I'm going to tell you towards the latter half of this podcast. I just wanted to update you on some current proceedings. One, our season is now off and running. Welcome to season three. By the time you hear this, two interviews would have been released, and we're off and running, Um I'm still working on my writing. I'm still developing my next film. I'm still doing what it is that I do. So what is up with my projects? We'll start with that first. I just got off the phone call with, with a friend of mine who has a location that I plan on using for my monster movie. Um, and they had called me this morning to ask what the status was. Do I have a timeline and all that? And I'm like, well, I... I really don't. I still haven't designed the monster. I still haven't done any casting. I'm on my own here. And we were talking about how like how hard it is to find really good collaborators who can just jump on board a project uh, and support your vision as a creative. It's really, really hard to find that. Um, and she was asking me like, well, would we be, be, would we be better off finding people on the West Coast? And I'm like, I don't think so, here's why. My experience has been, in New York you have, you'll basically just have a lot of disgruntled freelancers who no matter how much money you throw at them, they, it's really just a job, they're trying to get through their day so they can get to the bar and drink with their friends. Like that's been my experience for 20 years living here operating here no matter what my budgets were uh it just seemed like i all like when i tapped into the freelance sector i just kept running into just disenchanted people who just weren't into it which was doesn't make any sense to me like do you have any idea like what it feels like for me to be making a movie in new york my favorite place is when i'm making a movie in new york city whether it's some shithole apartment that we've set up for a scene or if I'm running and gunning it on the sidewalk. These are my favorite days. I feel honored to be in a world-class city in New York City, my favorite place on earth, doing what I love to do. And I always feel alone in that feeling. I always feel alone that, and I almost am treated like I'm slightly crazy for loving it but I do love it. I love just being in New York making movies. Like, you know how many people around the world would love to have the life I have in this regard? Just to be able to cut out this aspect of who I am and make that part of their life? How many people would come here just to make movies? I have a friend coming in from England this autumn to make a movie here because my work inspired him to want to do that. Like, this excites me to no end. But it's just like the people living here and operating here, so many of them just don't see that. They don't feel that. They don't get that. And so that's what I was talking to her about. Like, I've never had good luck in New York when it comes to finding production partners, creative collaborators, people who can just jump on board and support your vision. And so she goes, well, what about Los Angeles? And this is where I'm just like, okay, so... I know a lot of people in LA. I've flown out there. I've interviewed people in LA for various things. Uh, I've done meetings out there, never really made a film out there, but here's why. A lot of people love talking. They just love talking about making movies. And this is something you'll hear in Matt Matt Harrison's podcast, because I had him early on in this podcast. Uh, He talks about when he came to LA for the first time. He had just won Sundance. He was ready to make the next movie and everybody just loved talking to him about making movies, but nobody was actually willing to ever truly make a movie. (laughs) And it bugged him to no end and it would bug me to no end. And it's just like, yeah, you like... Talking about how you 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 know not Matt but other, just other random people would talk about how like oh I was up for this part with this big name actor but I didn't get it I lost it to so and so it's like okay so why are you telling me why don't you just make your own movie if you and but they love talking about how they were up for something oh I was up for this I was up for that I was in a meeting with so and so but I didn't get it but and it just seems like the highlight of their day is being up for something that's starring someone. And it's just like, you know what, why don't you make your own movie or partner with somebody who wants to make a movie? Do you know how many Matt Harrisons are coming out of the festival circuit ready to make their next movie? Like, why don't people partner with one another and make their own damn movies? And that's sort of what my philosophy has been for 20 years now, where I'm just like, I'm just going to keep doing it. Once I do the next, do a movie, I'm going to it out there, and then I'm gonna do the next one. I'm gonna put that out there, then I'm gonna do the next one. And that is the life of an independent filmmaker, an independent creative, an independent artist, and that's how I sort of keep going. Now the gaps between my projects are getting wider, of course, because one, my projects are getting much more complex. I'm doing a lot more than I was doing before. I have the podcast, my noveling has picked up, my poetry writing has picked up. And of course my freelancing has picked up quite substantially. And so really filmmaking went from being my main thing and my main sort of identifier, it was my identity to just being a part of a bigger platform. And that's the other thing too, is the reason the monster movie is taking so long to get off the ground is because I am managing a a big platform now, you know, it's not just about writing writing a script which i could do easily i knock off these scripts left and right i got so many of them but then i have to break it down i'm doing the work of an entire clerical staff to break it down figure out the locations figure out the props figure out where i'm getting all my assets then i got to cast the thing schedule all that and then start shooting the movie and when i start shooting the movie i am also my my cinematographer my sound recordist my gaffer like i'm pretty i'm pretty much a one man crew when I'm shooting a movie and it's by design but with that comes a great deal of slowness like it's a snail's pace just to even get to the point of shooting Fractals uh, that was in production between 2017 and 2022 2022 includes some of post production so just so you guys understand like why it takes so long for me to make a movie I'm literally doing everything and I wish I wasn't but I am That just comes with it. It comes with kind of being a low, no budget filmmaker, but also just the fact that it's really hard to find talented, dedicated people to work, work with me in the, the way that I need to be worked with. Like I need somebody who can not only respect my vision, but who I trust to actually understand what it is I'm after and not just formulaically approach these films because I am not a formulaic filmmaker. I don't go according to the way film schools teach you to make movies. And there's a reason I didn't get along with my people at film school. (laughs) Uh, But with that said, I am the only person from my film school who is still making movies. Most of them didn't even make movies. After they graduated, they just went straight to work. And those that did, maybe they did a short film or tried their hand at an indie feature, but then they stopped. Some of them just became politicians or other elected officials. Uh, I am literally the only one from my class at the film school I went to who is still making movies to this day. Now, maybe somebody will step up and make a movie after I have said this, that would be great. That would prove me wrong. And in this case, I want to be proven wrong. But, um, as outside the box and not normal as my approach is, it's kept me going. It's kept me going. And that is my testament to how well this can work. So guess what? Guess what? Here's the big news. This is the one this is the one I've been holding back on this whole time. So on the last commentary version of this podcast, I ta- I told you the big news. The big reveal is that I'm going to be having a kid. So the additional big news to that that I found out, Last week essentially was um, it's gonna be a girl. That's right, we're gonna have a daughter, and that's pretty awesome. So, big news on top of big news, and I'm not going to tell you the name, I'm going to keep that private because one of the things I am a stickler for is the privacy of young people in today's new media age. It pains me to no end to see people who aren't even like young people who aren't even teenagers yet and have like Instagram accounts and yeah it says managed by their mom and all that but really should they even have them at all <laughs> no I don't think so I don't think so but um, one of the one of my rules is going to be we're not even putting pictures up like we're not gonna do Facebook. Like Facebook, we're not going to put pictures up. We're not going to do our home videos. It's all going to be private. So while we will generate photography and home movies like a normal family does, we are not going to be using the internet in terms of putting any of that imagery up there or even the name. We are keeping the name a thousand percent private as much as we can. I'm not even going to like send them by text to my sister who is very close to me and She will want some of this media, but like my, my thing is like, once it's out there, it's out there. And I want the kid when they're old enough to understand the internet and understand what it means to have something out there. Uh, I want them to make the choice of whether or not their name and imagery should be out there. So that's sort of my policy on this. And at least for the first 16 years of their life, 18 years, even, uh, I will generate media, but I will not generate it for the intention of putting it out there. Um, It will be entirely in that person's control to have their information on the internet. And this is something I think all parents should do. This is a policy that I've developed over the 20 years of seeing what can happen on the internet and seeing just the destruction it can wreak on privacy. So we have a daughter coming into the world and she will not be on the internet at all, not even proud parents putting up baby pictures. Um, I think that's the best way—the best way forward, given you know the nature of our society right now. So, but there's some really good news there, and um, I just wanted to share that with you because I'm very happy and I'm very excited and delighted to see how this person is going to turn out. And in the event that This individual grows up and listens to this episode of the podcast down the road. I want you to know that whatever happens between now and then, uh, I'm very excited to meet you and to uh, learn about who you are and all that. Because right now I'm recording this in New York City and who knows we might not be in new york city when you grow up we don't know where you're going to grow up so that's very interesting it's also interesting to we're, we're in this sort of in between in this flux in this vestibule of sorts and we don't know what the other door opens to we just know which door is behind us and oh it's very exciting it's very exciting so that's the big news um And I'll keep you guys updated on that, on how things go and whatnot. But, yeah, you know, we've been looking for a house that's taken up a lot of my energy and sort of mental power. That's really hard because we are trying to transplant to another part of New York in the Northeast. We're looking in various other states, too. Uh, And it it, it can be very time-consuming to relocate to another area because... One, I have to day trip to these specific areas to look at places and sometimes I'll go up to places and the real estate brokers aren't 100% honest about things. Like there's one broker we're dealing with right now who I'd schedule the time to see a house that I liked and and she's like, well, do you want to see any other houses in the area? I'm like, okay, here's a list of all the properties I'd like to see while I'm up there. And I get up there and... She's like, oh, well, every single property except for this one went into contract overnight. I'm like, really? All of them went into contract overnight in this rundown neighborhood that nobody's looking in? Really? How convenient that the only house on the market, which has been on the market since February, and even before that, they tried to sell it over the past 20 years and they couldn't sell it. Like, it was on and off the market for 20 years. They couldn't sell it. How convenient for her that this is also the only house that didn't go into contract overnight. Like, that's really suspicious to me. And let me tell you something about the real estate industry, people. This thing is so screwed up. I mean, just the amount of people that you need. I mean, I don't personally think you really need everybody that's involved. But it seems like it's been designed in a way where as many people as possible are getting their hands in the pot, so to speak. So the seller has their broker, their lawyer, their CPA kind of fun, kind of doing everything. They probably got contractors coming in to like fix up some stuff when it's absolutely necessary. But even then they probably will try to skeeve their way out of it. But then the buyer needs a real estate broker to represent their interests and negotiate their offers. They need their own financial people. So they probably get have a cpa as well especially if it's a big purchase and they can to understand the tax write-offs and all that stuff then they need their mortgage broker and they're going to and they probably sh- are going to need a really good one who just knows the ins and outs of that specific like county that they're buying in and that's a whole nother shit show uh and then they also need a lawyer a lawyer who knows the local laws and ordinances and can check the verbiage of the contract and all that. And it's really messed up. And then also the buyer has to hire out of their own pocket, a building inspector to double check the work of the building inspector that the seller hired before putting it on the market. So whether or not they actually buy the house, there are the buyers still paying for an inspection, which is like super weird to me. Uh, And Going back to the mortgage brokers who have to know the ins and outs of the various areas, the reason for that is because in New York State at least, depending on what county you're buying in, you might not be able to get a loan. And this is super disturbing to me. So, for example, if we wanted to buy in Ulster County, we would not qualify for a certain type of loan because our income is too high. Whereas if we want to buy in Dutchess County, our income meets that threshold. So we could easily get a loan for Dutchess County. And so my thinking is, well, if we make too much money for Ulster County, that this makes no sense because like, how are we supposed to stimulate the economies of certain lower income counties if people making higher incomes can't buy there like it just doesn't make any sense to me Uh, and so i'm sure there's some sort of rationale about maybe preserving the working class aspect of certain places or making sure that rich people aren't buying farms just for the hell of it i don't i don't know i don't know what the region the reason is but it doesn't make sense to me and um I just feel like there's also just too many hands in the pot when it comes to real estate. Anyway, I'll keep you updated on whether or not we actually end up buying a house and where, well, not where it is, but um, what the vibe is. Is it going to be suburbia? Probably not. Suburbia terrifies me. Is it going to be country? Maybe. I always wanted a farm that wasn't a farm. Like I like the idea of having a ranch that's really just kind of an arts sanctuary. (laughs) And that's sort of also my great greater end game for my life is just to wind up in a, in a ranch. That's an art sanctuary. Um, but I don't know. In the end, we could just end up in another apartment in a better neighborhood. We'll see what happens. So until the next episode where I will have an interview with Jesse Bender. Jesse is the founder and chief operator for Kerplunk Kerplunked Press. Kerpunct Press. Kernpunkt. Kernpunkt Press. <laughs> Kerpunkt is a Green Day album. Kernpunkt is her press. It's an indie press. They publish books. They publish great books. Real art house material. And um I own some of their books and I got to have a conversation with the founder of this particular indie press, uh Jessie Bender. She's an author in her own right, and so On the next episode, you'll be able to hear that conversation. So until next week, enjoy your time, stay creative, and uh, I look forward to seeing you all again. Thanks. thank you for listening to my podcast. If you have a moment, please consider subscribing to the show wherever you listen. And if the app allows for it, please leave a rating and review. That way the algorithm moves us up in recommendations. It's a great way for new listeners to find our show. Thanks, and I'll see you on the next episode.